Welcome to The CrocCast, a podcast for peace studies conversations convened by the University of Notre Dame's Croc Institute for International Peace Studies, part of the Keough School of Global Affairs. Hello, and welcome to The CrocCast. I'm George Lopez, the Reverend Theodore M. Hesburgh, CSC, Professor Emeritus of Peace Studies here at the Croc Institute. I'm delighted to be sitting down this morning for conversation with one of our esteemed alums, Alisher Kamadov. Most recently, Alisher was here at Croc Notre Dame during fall 2020 as our first alumni visiting research fellow. His career path since graduating with a master's degree in 2002 has been wide-ranging and exemplary of the scholar practitioners our program aims to produce. Alashir completed a PhD at Johns Hopkins University, worked as a journalist, studied the impact of Muslim migrants in Northern England as a postdoctoral fellow, and served as a peace and conflict consultant at the World Bank. Alashir, welcome. Thanks for being here today to talk with us. George, great to be here. I'm in Bishkek. It's frozen outside, it's very cold. I'm in a very warm apartment, a two-bedroom apartment. Thank you so much. Let's start, first of all, with you talking a bit about what drew you to the study of peace in the first place. What brought you to the Kroc Institute? I was actually sitting in one of your uh, courses uh, in 2002. It was September 2002. It was a Introduction to Conflict Resolution, led by George Lopez, surrounded by more than 50 freshmen, MA candidates, and others. Uh, I was just sitting and thinking, what am I doing here? I was I, uh, A month earlier, I came from Kyrgyzstan, and uh, I didn't know anyone at Notre Dame at Croc, so I was at a loss. I was actually experiencing, I think, a culture shock. But then as the course continued, uh, uh, I started to make sense of what had brought me to the Croc Institute uh, and to Peace Studies. Uh, it was mainly your course that opened up the Pandora's box of all the things that I was carrying. I was at the time 23 or 24. I think that I didn't realize that I was a victim of domestic violence. Uh, I grew up in a very volatile household in Kyrgyzstan. Extended families lived together and, and often a lot of domestic abuse. Uh, my uncle was unemployed. My aunt who lived with us, uh, she was unhappy with her divorce. My grandfather was uh, oppressive towards other family members. So I grew up witnessing violence. Then violence was also happening in my neighborhood. Kids who were older than I, uh, they were abusing younger ones, bullying. So I could see that every day, uh, going to school, coming from school. And then it wasn't just the community, it was also the town where I grew up experiencing violence. In 1990, uh, my town experienced violent clashes between the Kyrgyz and the Uzbeks. And then 20 years later, that violence actually was at the scale of the whole country. So in sum, I saw violence at home, in my community, in my town, and at the level of the country. So I was actually fed up with all that. And why couldn't my people live peacefully like uh, other people? So I think that's one of the main reasons why it has brought me uh, to the Croc Institute. You know, that's so interesting. After 20 years of knowing each other, I didn't know that. And 
And as you were talking, I thought the number of times I've been asked some of the same questions. And growing up where I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, seeing someone in the neighborhood stabbed to death on the street at nine years old and things like that. I know that impacted me as well. And what an interesting dynamic that all the scholarly and political and active things that we do really have some roots in the personal. I'd like to turn to this interesting project that you've been researching on two sets of towns in Kyrgyzstan, comparing some that have experienced widespread violence over the past 20 years and others in the same region that have been peaceful. How is this research progressing and, and what are you finding as trends about the causes of violence and peace in regions that otherwise share so many similar characteristics? Yeah, George, actually as a, a peace studies scholar and practitioner, I've been focused on violence for more than uh, 15 years. And so, uh, and then about two or three years ago, uh, an idea hit me. Why do I keep studying violence? Uh, why not study peaceful towns in my own country? Prior to that, I actually studied uh, various scholarly approaches to, uh, under a similar theme that were conducted in South Asia, Africa. Ashutosh Varshni's uh, article in early 2000s uh, impressed me in which he studied Hindus and Muslims in India. So I decided to do something similar, but in Kyrgyzstan. And I had some theories, uh, and the theories told me that the reason or the differences between peace experiencing and violence-prone towns could be structural. It could be, you know, like uh, differences in uh, the way uh, things are organized historically, uh, culturally, in terms of like urban setups. And they could be related to uh, so-called agency or actors, players, people. So I had the theory that it could be a, a combination of both of those things. So I chose two sets of towns uh, in the same region, speaking the same languages, uh, under the same institutional jurisprudence. Everything is similar. I also even have chosen communities with similar ethnic compositions. So all of them in South Kyrgyzstan. So the cities of Osh, Karasu, Aravan, Uzgen, four of them. I spent more than two years actually studying uh, these sets of towns. And and what I found is quite, I would say, um, counterintuitive. So, of course, both institutional structural conditions were there, and Uzgen are actually more urban, uh, and they saw influx of all these uh, communities. There was higher migration to those cities, whereas Karasu and Aravan, uh, they saw uh, well, less migration. There was more cohesion, ethnic, as well as uh, cultural collaboration. But what, what struck me as something that stood up that made uh, peace-experiencing town more prominent were the importance of patronage networks. And that's, the key, some of the, that's one of the key differences of my research from previous scholarly inquiries. And what I found out is that the town of Aravan and Karasu, the ones that are considered peace-experiencing or prone actually to more peaceful outcomes, they had stronger patronage networks. In other words, they had stronger informal institutions, powerful individuals, uh, landlords, uh, property owners who control these towns. And they ensured that there would be less violence or no violence because violence threatened their business stakes, their interests, their land and their properties. 
where the towns of Osh and Uzgen, they saw violence because patronage networks were disrupted, they were weak, uh, uh, they were weakened by all this migration and uh, cadre changes from the central government. So that's one of my key differences. It's a lot of scholarly stuff, but it all boils, boils down to both structural differences and to the agency. Well, that's so interesting. You know, when I think about the outbreaks of violence in Assyria or Libya, for example, people tell us the dictatorships there were so strong about not permitting any institutions to develop. Or when we hear about Eastern Europe surprising people in, in the late 80s and 90s for only Yugoslavia breaking down into significant violence, it's because there were strong institutions in those societies. But but we've not had any of this research in Central Asia and in these regions. So what, what do you want to see as the impact of this research? Where, where is it going? Because it sounds such a significant finding. Well, my primary goal was actually to share my findings with policymakers in Central Asia. And that's that's the primary goal. I'm trying to convert what I've done at the Kroc Institute uh, into a policy paper. What I have now is a book chapter that I have already contributed to Hamburg University's Peace and Conflict Studies Center. So it, it will be hopefully part of a volume. But my goal is actually to share this policy paper that, that I soon will complete with government officials and the peace specialists in Kyrgyzstan and Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. So my idea is to convene a group of practitioners and scholars and present my findings at a uh, specialized workshop for this specific uh, subject and have a workshop or seminar sometimes in early spring. Uh, and so that's my plan, to share it with policymakers, with peace practitioners and uh, government officials. Well, that's that's wonderful. We, we have to stay posted on that and see how your success is with that. And it raises another question in my mind is that you've done throughout your past 20 years a good deal of work. And, and I know from last semester reflecting on the possibilities, but also the limits of studying peace in an academic institution and in an academic research sort of way. But you also want to work for peace in the real world. So I was wondering if you could take a little bit of reflective time with us and talk about what you've learned about the interplay between academic studies and learning from actually doing peacebuilding work, because you've worked with so many different kinds of projects over the last two decades. George, actually, uh, this is one of the central questions uh, that, that I have been contemplating at the Kroc Institute as well. And when we were at the Kroc Institute 20 years ago, we came with all our experiences and with all our preconceptions and lenses at looking at the world. Uh, little did we realize at the time that there were all these wonderful theories, uh, amazing concepts, uh, and a lot of work already done. And so it was an amazing period for me uh, 20 years ago to uh, combine uh, my prior knowledge, my uh, experiences, with theories, with analytical, uh, conceptual world of academia. But at the same time, you, George, uh, and other scholars, teachers, and our mentors and colleagues, you taught us one central thing, I think, at the Caucasian, and that is the, the centrality of personal relations in resolving conflicts uh, at the interpersonal level, at the community level, at the national level. 
And this is, I think, one of the key takeaways that I, I keep in mind when I'm dealing with people at work. One striking episode came at the time when I was detained in August uh, 2010, shortly after interethnic violence engulfed the whole of South Kyrgyzstan. I was detained by these uh, police officers. At the time, Kyrgyzstan was experiencing a state of semi-anarchy. And these police officers, they detained me because I was ethnic Uzbek and I was conducting research among ethnic Uzbeks. So they called, they told me you were, that I was an agent provocateur. So they wanted to place me under arrest and uh, they had guns and I was scared. They could easily shoot me and claim that I was uh, provoking violence. And then what was amazing is that uh, one of the police officers, he told me that he recognized me. He told me that he saw me at the wedding of his uncle's cousin. And he was uh, actually, and he told me that his sister married that guy. And so turned out that we were somehow interrelated and things changed from that moment on. Immediately, I was seen as someone who was not a threat. So my personal relationship with that police officer did all the difference. I was saved. They released me within a half an hour. And I had a wonderful conversation with other police officers explaining to them what I was doing. I told them about research. Their whole concept of research changed. Uh, they were more open to me once they saw that I had a personal relationship with one of one of their uh, men. So, and this is key because uh, as peace builders, we forget that cordial relations among various adversaries, uh, opponents, they play a key role in, in bringing people down to peace actually. And so Lederach, you and others, you taught us that building personal relationships, cross-cutting, personal relationships is key. So I think that stands out. And another thing is, yes, all these series we learned at CROC, they're useful, but they're also limiting us. Uh, so uh, I've seen that it's important to think outside the box. So for example, one of the key lessons that I learned about violence is that it's, it's bad, it's, it should be averted, it's something that's, you know, it's a no-no. Yes, it is so, but at the same time, uh, I've I've actually over the past 20 years started to debate, you know, like uh, what if violence or the past acts of violence serve as agents of peace, as source of peace? So, for example, in the city of Osh, uh, where, where I now live, violence that happened in 2010 serves as the deterrent for further conflict. So people are afraid of recurrence of violence. So in some ways, you know, like uh, we need to re-understand or renegotiate our approach to violence. Yes, it's bad, but it also serves as a deterrent. So these are some of the things that I wanted to share. Well, thank you. I, I think that last point is so critical. I've heard other alums and people talk about we have underexplored the potential seeds of peace that might exist in the past experiences of violence that people have had. You know, we come, and I think you probably know this well, having graduated from Johns Hopkins in your doctoral program, the working theory for many there was that violence comes to a hurting stalemate and people get so exhausted by it, they begin to explore ways for peace. And you've told us that there are ways of violence that also plant the seeds of peace. And I find that so intriguing. And I'd like to follow up, I guess, on, on this, asking you if you might be a prescriber for us in the Kroc Institute going forward. What advice would you have for us as we approach our 35th anniversary, as you think about 
the best way to equip students to be the next generation of peace builders. What should a curriculum look like uh, these days based on your own experience of academic study and practitioner work? I would have three things to share. One is the importance of personal transformation. I think that the Croc Institute is an ideal place for people to go through this period of solitude, reflection, interaction, as well as idealism. So, and that's what Croc did to me. You know, I came to Croc and did a lot of reflection. I changed as a peace starts with inner peace. So I looked at the violence that I witnessed at home, in my neighborhood, in my town, in my country. So it took me a while to process. It took me a year at the Croc to forgive uh, people who were oppressors uh, and people I oppressed. So it was a personal transformation. It's one of Croc Institute's, uh, I would say, a best things that it offers to students. Uh, the second thing is the importance of safety and security. We must uh, continue to emphasize the importance of uh, peace practitioners to be mindful of all these threats and as well as harms uh, that, that are on the way. We do not want martyrdom. So we have already witnessed too many martyrs of peacemakers. So it needs to be stopped. So I think that, that the Institute pays extensive attention from what I know to issues of uh, safety. And I think that this trend will continue. And the third thing that I want to point out is that the nature of conflicts, violent conflicts, is shifting. As we have witnessed, you know, resource-based uh, acts of violence are diminishing because resources are playing less of a role these days. Now, it's, you know, it's not resources that matter. It's now it's uh, knowledge. It's knowledge economies. So, for example, it's, it's just inconceivable of, say, China to invade Kyrgyzstan because of Kyrgyzstan's uh, natural resources, such as gas reserves or gold mines. Now, China is investing in IT technologies in Kyrgyzstan. So a lot of young people traveling to China, studying IT there, coming back and helping China to promote its, influ its influence. So although we're seeing the decline in acts of violence, physical violence, what is expanding is structural violence, you know, invisible violence. And so as peace practitioners, we need to be better equipped to identify and to actually respond to acts of structural violence in a more effective way. Even in my country, Kyrgyzstan, we see, we're seeing a lot of structural violence in the form of cyber warfare. Uh, there's a lot of hatred on the internet towards particular groups of people. So there's a lot of warfare, actually. There's a lot of people are oppressed just by exposing to, to the internet. So we as practitioners, peace builders, are now shifting from the physical world into the cyber world, trying to make peace there. So I think that the Croc Institute needs to uh, expand its work in that area. That's so intriguing. I value very much what you've uh, offered us, and I look forward to how colleagues here will process what, what you've given. I'm going to ask you one final question, sure. if I might. You're at about the 20-year mark, and you return to Croc. You're a vintage scholar practitioner. Where do you see yourself 20 years from now? That's a really profound question, actually. Uh, I'm trying to live today, actually, as it goes. But in 20 years, I see myself uh, in your shoes, George, sharing knowledge, wisdom from a comfortable chair and room. So I'm an academic as well as, you know, practitioner. So uh, 
I guess I, I want to be based in Central Asia, that's for sure, uh, teaching at a local university. And I also want to continue doing research with young people. I really love the spirit of academia, spirit of working with uh, young people. And so I think that's my plan. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm delighted to turn over shoes to you and, and the kinds of things that you've done. And I share this notion that working with young people and researching, you're the folks who've kept the field going and, and kept some of us oldsters young as uh, the years progress. Alishir Kamadov, thank you for so much for your time, both this fall and, and now again for the Kroc Institute. Thank you, George. Thank you. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Kroc Cast, peace studies conversations convened by the University of Notre Dame's Kroc Institute for International Peace Studies. You can find all episodes of the Kroc Cast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and online at croc.nd.edu slash podcast. You can also rate and review our show, which will help more people to find us. For more updates and stories from the Croc Institute, follow us online on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.